yeah, I think boundaries can be scary because if we set them, we don't know what's on the other side of them. I think when we're used to abusing our boundaries, it's at least familiar. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, we have got a special episode of the Living Centered Podcast for you today. I got to sit down with three of my teammates, Hannah Warren, Lindsay Nobles, and Candy Shelton, to talk all about boundaries. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like as soon as I started doing my own work, I couldn't escape the phrase boundaries. It was everywhere. And there's no shortage of information on how we set, observe, maintain, and honor boundaries. Still, I know that I've been left often with more questions than answers when it comes to this topic. That's why I'm excited about this conversation, and that's why I'm especially excited that it comes in the midst of launching our brand new Emotional Health Masterclass, Establishing Boundaries, creating the physical, mental, and relational space you need to thrive. In it, we explore the building blocks of a healthy boundary, what kind of boundaries are available to us, and how to truly make them work for us. This class is for all of us who feel guilty about setting boundaries, get stuck in dysfunctional relationship patterns, and who need clarity on how to set boundaries that help us better connect with ourselves and others. This was a really powerful conversation. We just turned on the mic and talked about some of the challenges we've personally faced when it comes to boundaries, the lessons we've learned, and what we're most excited about with this new class. As always, for my podcast listeners, I have got a special code just for you. Until December 18th, you can use the code PODCAST to get 35% off. So head to onsiteisonline.com to learn more, and let's dive into this conversation. All right. I have gathered three of my favorite humans once again to have a conversation about another fun topic. This week, it's boundaries. So welcome, Lindsay and Candy and Hannah, our I marketing you were gals. Say Lindsay, Candy, and Hanny. Oh, I would, that would have been great. <laughs> it would all rhyme. Are you guys excited to talk about boundaries? What is the gut feeling you have when you hear the word boundaries? I feel good. Good. This feels easier than shame. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clear. Just in general. Yeah. yeah. And because we have good boundaries, it makes it easier for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you can engage in this conversation only where you'd like to. Well, I think let's kind of start with maybe a journey of boundaries because I feel like I definitely have been on a journey of boundaries for a while. Um, so maybe give us a snapshot. What was your comfortability with boundaries before you maybe started some of this emotional wellness work? What would you feel like is your, your comfortability now? I feel like for me, I'm an Enneagram 8, Mm -hmm. and so we like boundaries, but I don't think I recognize them as boundaries for a long time. I think Mm. I always had them, even as a little kid, Mm. but I wouldn't communicate them verbally. I would just hold them, which wasn't necessarily a healthy way to have boundaries, but I feel like I would even just live in a way that was boundaried, whether emotionally or with my expectations of people. So I feel like from an early on place in my life, I had them, but I didn't really recognize them as boundaries. I was just guarded. 
Mm, and that's good. wanted to take power back, even from a young age. I wanted to be in control. And so what I th- maybe could label as a boundary now is like, oh, little me was just trying to set a boundary. I was really just trying to take control. And so therefore I put up walls instead of boundaries, really. Mm, walls that's instead of doors. I would say I have a very similar mm-hmm. experience to Hannah. I've always been very much uh, aware of my energy and res- mm-hmm. and have been trying to reserve it. So mine, I think, was probably less about trying to take control, but it was definitely about protection, mm-hmm. which was more walled. Like, I need to keep you out or that potential energy vampire out or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So it was more about the external world and less about my internal world and what I needed to connect with myself. This is so random, but I wonder, you know, like bringing some of the layers of the Enneagram in here. Yeah. I wonder, like I'm a Mm self-preservation subtype. Yeah. I wonder if self-preservation subtypes sort of have a natural early on relationship with Mm -hmm. boundaries Mm -hmm. that others don't have. Because you you would probably identify that way too. I'm a... Uh, a one-to-one subtype, but a five already is, is going that, to be has that very, yeah, yeah. We're eights, I think, also are very protected and controlled. Yes. Yeah. And I'm a one-to-one too, but I think a one-to-one, so there's the three subtypes, there's social, self-preservation, and then one-to-one. Um, and I think for the one-to-ones, we're very protected around certain yes. things. Mm-hmm. Yes. It probably in similar mm-hmm. ways that self-preservation is around themselves. Yeah. I think the one-to-one can expand a little bit beyond self, but like, the what's important to me around me, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. That yeah. is a really cool. I would say that most of my growth around boundaries has been just understanding more the different types of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where I felt like, again, I had kind of a natural sense of creating boundaries early on, probably didn't have the right language for them or do them in ways that were relationally building Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest growth has been in like more the emotional boundaries Mm -hmm. around like, hey, this thing out there that's happening Mm -hmm. doesn't have to come inside and affect me. That's Mm -hmm. good. And so having some emotional boundaries that I can be aware of and choose uh, how I'm going to react and respond and things that are actually mine to engage with mm-hmm. versus feeling uh, as a four affected by everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been the biggest growth. As I, There was a, a one-day sort of alumni event we did several years ago pre-COVID about boundaries, and they had everyone sort of play with string and put a string around you. And I feel like I've visualized that now Mm -hmm. a lot of like, hey, like, am I, I don't have to choose to engage with this emotionally Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm. So I really loved that. That was pre-COVID. It was such a a great exercise. I think it's interesting pulling in the Enneagram, um, especially the subtypes. So I am a Social seven. So yeah. that not one. the most boundary. Not the most boundary person. No. And I think it's really that emotional boundary too, mm-hmm. where I'm not in tune with my own emotions or I feel like a little bit's good, a whole lot's better. Like I love letting the people in. And so that's been a lot of the journey for me is when I first started learning about boundaries, it was um very much an evangelical context mm-hmm. around like dating and physical boundaries were a mm-hmm. thing. No one ever talked about emotional boundaries. And so while holding these very strict physical boundaries, 
I was opening myself up to a lot of emotional pain mm-hmm. and letting everyone in and giving everyone access to myself mm-hmm. and giving parts of myself that I shouldn't have been giving in a, in a romantic context and in a friendship context. And so emotional boundaries have been really good for me of recognizing, like you were saying, Lindsay, of like, I don't have to let everyone in and everyone have access. I think even my um, family of origin, like my world was really big. Um, and there was no extension between like what information got shared with close nuclear people and what got shared with this person who was mm. in our extended circle because it was just all the same. Yeah. Um, and so it's something that I've done a lot of work around to figure out like, well, it's okay that I keep my world small and have levels of intimacy with people. So that's kind of what emotional boundaries have looked like with me. That's good. You talking about your upbringing mm-hmm. and the relational boundaries that so like brought back uh-huh. stories in my mind of times that I have not done a good job having boundaries yeah. where yeah, I, I always sure. think about sort of the idea of having a crush. Oh and I was gosh. like, that is so aptly named. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there you are. Just can awesome. really get you. But just of create having unhealthy sort of co-ed friendships and, and like, yes, believing that they were more than they were and. So I, you brought me back to <laughs> where I've not done well. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Growth. Growth. I think for emotional boundaries, like not only were a lot of us not taught them, but they were like shamed if you yeah, d- if you had them absolutely. almost a little bit, at yep. least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up from a, I grew up in a Christian faith context too, and it was kind of almost assumed that you should share things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having experiences where then everyone would share their life story or everyone would share their biggest kind of like pain points or whatever. And it, it was like a, sh- like a sharing circle where everyone would feel then emotionally hung over. Yeah. But that was like good. That was praised. Mm-hmm. And now trying to like unlearn that, that it's actually like oversharing is not always healthy. And that's not a way to necessarily earn relationships with people. Mm. But I feel like, yeah, for a lot of my experience, if you didn't share, you were kind of shame on you for not being open or like I was open with you. Why aren't you open with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting thing that not only were we not taught it, but we were kind of taught it was bad. Yeah. Not true. No. And you're not delivering that into safe hands. My guilty pleasure is Bravo television. I was telling everybody this earlier that I had a really rough day yesterday. So I came home and I watched an episode of uh, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then I watched an (laughs) episode of Winter House. And there had been, on last week's episode of Winter House, there had been this like interaction between this girl that was kind of into a guy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then her feelings changed. Yeah. But the guy didn't pick up on the fact and read her body language. So he was, like, very touchy, like, rubbing her back and playing with her hair. And, like, he tried to kiss her, and she said no. But then he kind of kept trying to make advances. And so the situation kind of boiled over. And then she was able to have a conversation with him afterwards. And I was so impressed watching her sort of show up and express how that felt Mm. of like, hey, I don't feel like you saw me and I didn't know how to communicate at the time. And and before she got started and speaking with him, he was like, can I share something afterwards? And she said, no, you can't. And it was like just watching like really clear bound. And he was kind of taking it back, but he heard her. And and then he respected it. And their conversation went well and it ended 
sort of where she had the final word, which she deserved to have. Yeah. And I just was impressed watching it play out. And guys, you can learn from Bravo. <laughs> this is, it went in a direction I didn't expect. I thought you were going to say, and then I watched all these people. No, like, no, it was, it was a like lesson. So, yeah. such a clear uh, boundary, yeah. you know, but it, like her boundary had been, she hadn't done a good job of holding it yeah. and she felt that and felt shame for it. And then she could vocalize that and then said, Hey, here's what later, here's what was happening mm-hmm. to me. And this is what it felt like. And then mm. she really got an opportunity to assert her boundary. And I just learned in watching the interaction, yeah. but I think it happens so often. Yeah. And then sometimes it catches us off guard and you're like, Oh, like I'm not ready to vocalize yet, but like mm. I feel uncomfortable with where this conversation's gone right. or yeah. where this, Sometimes we don't know if a boundary's been crossed or like that we have a boundary until it's been crossed. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it calls us in watching that interaction, you're so clearly like guy pick up on her body language. Yeah. But I think that the thing that will help us avoid the awkward boundary conversations (laughs) on the back end is being able to be very attuned to each other Mm -hmm. and have maybe a less awkward conversation up front yeah. Of like, hey, are you comfortable with this? Or mm-hmm. like, you know, the line that we learn at onsite is, are you open to some feedback <laughs> before <laughs> we say things? But even just working those things into our normal vernacular kind of helps us have more safe, protected conversations along the way. That's yeah. Good. So. Yeah, I also like that that's an example that like, setting or keeping a boundary doesn't have to be a blowout. Like, yeah, she she didn't have to be like, screw you, you did this, and make it so harsh. Mm -hmm. It it was just like, hey, this was not okay for me. Here's why. And he wanted to respond, and she said no. Like, it can also just be clear and leave it at that and then move on. And then I think that's a good reminder. I think sometimes we outsize what those conversations will look like or they have to get a point of like contention Mm -hmm. um, before we bring it up where it's like, oh, we can actually just, we can talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. In Bravo fashion, there was a big deal. Oh, of course. Of course. course. (laughs) Someone else picked up on the fact that her boundary was being uh, walked all over. Okay, so we'll take 80% of Bravo and 20% of Einstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing I thought about when you were talking about that is it sounds like her boundary maybe changed from what it used to be. And I think that's a really good reminder because I think I get stuck sometimes that like, oh, I set this boundary, I got to keep with it. Or, um, well, this is what I've communicated. And it's like boundaries, a lot of times, there's different types of boundaries, Mm -hmm. which we explore in our new class, Establishing Boundaries. But boundaries can change because we change. We have different seasons where something works for us and then it doesn't work for us anymore. And it's our responsibility to notice that change and communicate it. But we're to change our minds. Absolutely. And I, one thing that came up for me as Lindsay was talking and then you replying is, um, it yes, it doesn't have to get to a blowout, a contentious point, but it also doesn't have to get to a resolution and uh, like reconciliation of yeah. some sort. Like a boundary can also be really helpful in protecting what a relationship should be at, in in a season, and maybe that relationship shouldn't be something that is like, okay, we come back together and we reconnect. And it's like, no, it's okay. And I can be kind and still not go any further than than that. You know, like I I just think that it can can be yeah. both things because yeah. a lot of times we think we think like we set the boundary and then eventually that's going to be the place for okay, everything will be okay. We'll come back to to center, and sometimes it's actually not. 
And yeah. that's going to have to be okay too. I had a really close relationship several years ago that um, I realized I needed to sort of end. And I had to communicate like a clear boundary of like, hey, I can't have any contact with you. And sort of even in those conversations, what the person sort of was going to struggle with, with the distance of like, we only knew one way of being in relationship with each other. Mm. And I played a role that was unhealthy for me. Yeah. And so I had to just cut it off. And the person's done a great job of respecting that boundary. But I thought what was so interesting about it when you're talking about it is I think I'm okay with that boundary that person's okay with that boundary, that's very uncomfortable for everyone else. Ooh, Other yeah. people are not comfortable Everybody with it. else wants to see, like... Reconciliation or restoration. It looked differently. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that sometimes it is what we need. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we have... That's a boundary we have as, like, observers of a relationship right. or is to understand that people are communicating what they need and holding Mm. to it and that it's okay that way. Mm. Such a good point. That's really good. I think it's a good reminder that like uncomfortable is not bad in all things. Like, hey, this might be weird. Okay. Like, you know, like, yeah. 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 It it does have (laughs) boundaries, like, can be painful sometimes or they can be awkward sometimes, but they still can be right. Yeah. For yourself, for the other person, and for those around you. Mm. I think I have in different seasons of my life put in like the expectations that I have around a certain type of relationship or a certain level of intimacy, whatever, have gotten in the way of me setting a boundary. Or once I've set the boundary, feeling comfortable with it, feeling like because they are X, Y, and Z in my life, I should be in communication with them Mm. or I should be. I just get caught up in the shoulds where I would imagine you could get caught up in that of like, because we had this before, we should have some kind of contact where no, it's just uncomfortable. Like, nope. Yeah, no, and it's sad. You have to. There's definitely there's grief, grief with that. In it. Yeah, and I think there's a time to reevaluate and mm-hmm. say, "Do I still need this?" Mm-hmm. And today I do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and maybe not in five years. Maybe not. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. who knows? But for for right now, it's the right boundary for me. Mm-hmm. I have like a toxic trait. Around boundaries, I'm kind of curious if anyone else can relate to this, but I feel like when you were talking about like, hey, you're okay with this boundary and the other person's okay with this boundary, I feel like I've set boundaries with someone and they've like respected it and I've almost kind of been resentful that they've respected (laughs) it. You know, it's like, but if you really wanted to pursue me or if you really wanted to fix Uh, it, you know, and that's like so messed up because it's like I've asked them to respect this and then they do. It's like, can anyone relate to that? I'm like, mm-hmm, just totally. interested. I haven't thought about that until right now where I almost kind of want a justice for you, like for them to mm. like yeah. try to convince you otherwise, which is like not what we should ever do with someone's boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder where I've done that for other people as well. I would say, yes, I relate. <laughs> but also, and it's something that I think Madison even touches on in this class mm-hmm. that I love so much. Um it was a light bulb moment for me of going, oh, that wasn't actually a boundary I was setting. That was actually an ultimatum disguised yeah. as a boundary. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, I've done that for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's a back to the Enneagram, a tendency of the fours and however we relate with yeah. our fourishness yeah. is sort of to want someone to come after us, mm. looking for us. Totally. And so that being aware of that pattern and how I engage in it has been really helpful 
around, hey, am I withdrawing because yeah. I'm trying to get closeness? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I think it's just a good reminder of the, like, I don't know, the agency of our choices, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yes. I asked for this. Yeah. Like, yes. That's a good thing to be reminded about with any boundaries. It's like, I asked for it, and I got it. Okay. Yeah. Then, like, how do I start moving on from there? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What it made That's me think good. about is when I get caught in those or when I, because I definitely can relate to that. It's me wanting to have power of the situation. Mm-hmm. I want you to not be okay with it because I feel hurt in some way. Wow. And again, I'm setting a boundary as an ultimatum and not as a bid for connection. Yeah. Even, even connection with myself, like yeah. staying true to connected to myself. I'm actually doing it because I'm doing it from a place of hurt. And it's like, I want to keep power here. And mm-hmm. that's how I think I can do it with this boundary. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been on the recipient end of someone putting up a boundary as a bid for power mm-hmm. or like to, you know, have the upper hand in a relationship or a dynamic that was dysfunctional. And I've also done that. Yeah. Yeah. So your agency comment, Hannah, reminded me of another area of our life that I think boundaries can be really hard, especially for us as achievers. Yes. Um, Our work. Do you feel like that's the hardest area for you to set boundaries? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably the area where I've had the most growth, both that emotional boundary that I talked about and, you know, like more communicated boundaries around yeah. like, how do I set aside time um, and space and things like that to yeah. not be fully meshed with my work. Yeah. But I think like what Hannah was saying, that rem- reminder of the choice that we've made Mm-hmm. I responsibility is like my number one strength on strength finders. And yeah. so I'm going to always choose positions where I am seeking responsibility. I cannot complain about the weight of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I cannot live victimized by the weight of the responsibility mm-hmm. that I have sought out. And so that is the awareness that has helped save me from burnout. Mm. Yeah. Is just like understanding that and like I'm creating this. Yeah. It is not happening to me. Yeah. And so if I want to create something different, how do I do that? I have someone in my life that says about work in particular, but about other things too, they will take as much as you will offer. It is not their job to set a boundary for oh, you. Totally. And I'm like, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> as your boss, I will say I will. <laughs> no. Earlier not that much earlier in my career, I, it was like the idea of sort of drowning in the weight of it. Mm. I, I felt like that should be seen and recognized and awarded. Yeah. And then as I've gotten more awareness around myself and what that actually looks like when I show up in that space, mm. and then also watching other people do it, you're like, oh, that's, that is not the behavior you want to see from a leader. You know, you want to see someone that is thriving personally and professionally. You want to see somebody that's showing up with their full capacity, somebody that um, fights for, to get the work done, but that they also fight for themselves. Yeah. It makes me think though about the whole idea. We've talked about it a lot in other, probably other episodes Mm -hmm. and webinars and in our correspondence on social, but the idea of quiet quitting. Yeah. I actually think that it's one of those things where, Mackenzie, to use your language, like 
is it being instituted as a bid for power or a bid for connection? Mm -hmm. But I think that's where that is kind of dropped into the conversation for a lot of people with their work is like quiet quitting actually for some people is their uh, desire to set a boundary for themselves around where Mm. it's like, oh, I've become enmeshed. I don't know where I end and where this position or this, you know, work or project ends. And so maybe quiet quitting is their bid for connection, or it could be a bid for power and just trying to set up an ultimatum and hope people um, like notice and Mm -hmm. what are you going to do for me? But as you said, it's not the organization's job to set a boundary. Mm -hmm. It's yours. And that's what's really frustrating and empowering all at the same time. Like, oh, I I'm the boss of me. I get to choose the way that I show up, right? Like I'm saying this to myself because I'm, especially the last couple of weeks, I've had to keep saying it to myself. The four of us in this room have a lot of responsibility. (laughs) We also, we all like to take it on, right? We do. And Uh, I sort of jokingly said it is not like a leader's responsibility. No. But watching your team drown is is miserable. Yes. And so how do you intervene and have conversations and begin to have like – show up. I was, yeah. I just want to say I was kidding. Oh, yes, we know. <laughs> this conversation has me kind of like ruminating an idea. And I think like a boundary set out of desperation or burnout works, but I think it's a lot better when we have the intentionality and the foresight to set it in advance. It right? works, but it's exhausting. Yeah, it, it makes it exhausting too. And it also doesn't leave room for connection, which mm-hmm. is the whole point of a boundary, right? Yeah. Like it, it will work, but it's it's going to work as a barrier instead of a boundary, mm-hmm. likely, in the long run. Yeah. I think I'm really, this whole conversation around leadership has me really excited that we added the extra module for leaders in our new Establishing Boundaries course because yeah. It is the area that comes up so often for so many of us because we almost don't feel the permission to set boundaries at work or we are awarded and rewarded and praised for not having boundaries mm-hmm. at work and showing commitment. Yeah. And how do you as a leader lead out for yourself and for your team? Yeah. And it's a great, uh, having listened through yes. all the content, it's a really great conversation about it, no matter what your position is yes. to you. I mean, and even if you're just like a leader of, of yourself, yourself. <laughs> if you lead in your home, if you, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you have leadership, you have an, an area of leadership, whoever you are. And I think these conversations can translate really, really well um, into whatever that sphere is. Yeah. And I like that it, yeah, it starts with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's been a big piece about learning from you, Lindsay, is like, I've been in so many job environments where bosses haven't had boundaries. So why would I? Like, if they don't, if they're crossing them, like, I have to cross mine too. And so like, when I first started working at Onsite, it was really overwhelming to have boundaries. Like, Mm. I felt found out for the first time, which was like, (laughs) which led to like major mental health crisis for me, because I was like, Mm. oh, shit. I'm getting called out for overworking. Mm. I'm getting called out for not having boundaries. And so... Where you were likely praised before. Totally praised yeah. my entire life for yeah. not having them, for overworking, for overperforming. <laughs> and so it's vulnerable to be, like, called out. I'm still dealing with that right now today. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel permission to have boundaries because you have boundaries yeah. because Julie has boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, it goes up. And if it we does. don't have them as leaders, like, we can't expect That's the so people good. that we lead to have them either or follow them, which then just only creates a... Yeah tornado of like chaos because yeah. nobody's nobody feels permission to have them yeah now. well and it's, it's uncomfortable and when a leader is not having them for themselves but telling you to have it I remember early on in my career I had a leader who said 
I don't want you to be where I'm at, so I need you to set boundaries. Mm. And I was like, but I don't know how to do that. And what you're telling me is to get it ahead in this organization is to not have boundaries, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was kind of hard and confusing, and I love the permission piece to that. Yeah. Will you speak more to, we kind of think, like, boundaries will help me and they'll solve my problems, but sometimes setting boundaries is just as uncomfortable as not setting the boundary. Yeah, I think I was just, and still am, I think mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable with not having boundaries to a degree like not really like actual joy and contentment lies on the other side of boundaries but because it's the narrative I functioned with for most of my life it's like Mm -hmm. what I'm familiar with and so not having boundaries in work in family and relationships it was a pain I was okay with Mm. because I knew it known yeah and so having boundaries I, like, very much struggle with overworking and workaholism. And, yeah, I think just starting a job that valued my health over my what I produced um, was really vulnerable and left me feeling, like, really empty when I first started mm-hmm. it. Because I'm like, well, if, I, if I'm not what I do, then who am I, you know? And I just, like, totally lost myself in that, which led to, like, a lot of depression and has come out on the other side, really knowing myself a lot more. But yeah, I think boundaries can be scary because if we set them, we don't know what's on the other side of them. Mm -hmm. I think when we're used Mm -hmm. to abusing our boundaries, it's at least familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a medicator. Yes. Totally like a medicator. Yeah. 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 I like, it's painful, but I know what that pain's going to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I set a boundary and hold it, it's very unknown. And the unknown is generally pretty scary. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, I relate to that so much. I have a relationship that has been tenuous for basically my entire life. Yeah. I'm 42 years old, and it has it has just been complicated the entire 42 years of my existence. And um, used to, because of the way that I grew up and the things that were sort of set as expectations, and yet again, this isn't blame. This is just these are systems that Naming. were learned, and <laughs> and they were learned by, you know, uh, from someone else and someone else. And so— when I decided to own my piece of that relationship and then allow them to own their piece of it, it got really, as Lindsay talked about, it got really uncomfortable for the people around it. Mm. And so much so that it's like people would go, well, you really should because you don't know, you know, fill in the blank, how this will go or how much longer you might have or what. And Like in an attempt to sort of Mm -hmm. pull me back across a boundary that I set. And that, I mean, it's like, it's incredibly difficult to hold it and then to hold when before the perceptions or expectations of other people, those were the boundaries that I didn't have at all. And they were just completely soft. And at any moment when someone was disappointed or there was an expectation that looked like, oh, I've I didn't meet that. I wasn't prepared for that. Okay, then I'm going to figure out how to how to do it. Doesn't matter what it does to me, what my emotional cost mm, is. Yeah. Now that I'm holding those boundaries, it's like you said. I, in some ways, it's way easier to not. In some right. ways, it's mm-hmm. a whole lot easier just to go. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll step back into those patterns that are yeah. easy. We know how to do those. But in other ways, I have seen the benefit for myself totally. and for the people who are in my life who I do want to give more of my space and my brain to and my heart mm. to, um, the way that it affects them for me to not take on what's not mine. 
to, yeah. to carry. Yeah. It's, I think that's a good reminder too. It's like, we're responsible for how we set our boundaries. We are not responsible for how someone reacts to them. Yeah, so and good. that's really hard. That's mm-hmm. not like a quippy thing to say. Yeah. It's like, it, that's really genuinely hard. Yeah. And that's something I'm trying to learn right now. I set a boundary last week and my, my immediate response was to take care of like how badly that hurt somebody mm-hmm. or that their expectations. And my therapist was like, hey, stop caring about their emotions. Let them care for their emotions. Mm-hmm. And that was that's really hard to hear. <laughs> um, but the healthiest thing I can do for me and the healthiest thing I can do for them because I need to break some cycles yeah, of codependency so and what we've been, how we've been functioning. And I don't think that also means we have to be mean. No. I think we think that that is mean. And we often say here that boundaries may hurt, but they don't harm. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think like I'm learning right now to try to find a lot more empathy once I set a boundary. I'm not responsible for your emotions. I really understand that that could suck. Yeah. Like I understand that that would be painful. Absolutely. Like I'm sorry that that hurts you. It's and. not my responsibility. <laughs> yeah. But I, I get that that would be sad. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, that's a huge gross point for me because I immediately after I set a boundary want to like fix that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. You know, sorry I did it, you know. Yeah. I think it's such a, a, a pendulum, though, and it's you have to kind of when you're first starting this because it is a fatiguing process sometimes mm. if you're not doing boundaries. What I found in my own life is I have to swing the pendulum to be like, I don't care. I have to disengage. And the more growth I've had, I've been able to come back to the empathy side so that I can own my side of the street and have empathy for yours, but not try to own yours. Yeah. You mentioned it as a medicator. And when I think of it in that context, I think about medicators are the things that I do in times of stress and they're the easiest things to fall back into. Mm. And boundaries for me is something like not holding my boundaries is in times of stress or someone speaking that they're disappointed in you or you're in, caught up in dynamics that are decades old. It's so much easier to fall back into them. Um, and I had a therapist tell me one time of like, once you start doing it, it gets easier to do it. You mm-hmm. just have to start doing it. And then Pretty soon, that's what the other person starts to expect of you because you're rewriting the way the dynamics of the relationship work. Mm. And so at first, yeah, you're going to want to fall back into those really easy patterns. But the more that you do it, the more the other person's expecting it and you're expecting it of yourself. Something that just came up for me in that is um, I think with boundaries for me— I think I think that, like, because I'm choosing them, I have to like them. Or oh, like, that's good. <laughs> it's like, you know, when people break up and they're like, well, I'm the one who broke up with them, so I have to be okay with it. And it's like, same with boundaries. I think I'm learning right now. I'm setting boundaries that I'm really sad about. Yeah. I'm, like, really grieving yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to set them, mm-hmm. but I do. And so I think it's just, like, people need permission to set a boundary, and it's not always going to be what you want or what's fun, like, but they might be what's healthiest and what's like courageous to do Mm -hmm. and honoring for you and the other person. But it's okay if you don't like those boundaries. Like if you're grieving the loss of a relationship or something that couldn't be that you wanted to be. I think that's a thing I don't think I realized until recently. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's a big one. That's so good. Y'all boundaries. They're hard. We need them. We need them. They're so good. And so I'm really excited because it's a topic that I think we talk a lot about. I I feel like once I started doing emotional health work, I couldn't get away from the topic of boundaries. But yet I'm still really confused by them. And how do you actually set a boundary and make it work and reevaluate it? 
Yeah. That's what I keep taking away from this conversation is like boundaries don't have to be forever. Nope. They can be a season. They can be for a moment. They can be for a particular, particular situation. So yeah. what are you guys most excited about for this brand new uh, emotional health masterclass we have, Establishing Boundaries? I, I'll say what I'm most excited about is that, as you said, we all have dealt with or been you know, around boundaries mm-hmm. or have had them or had them broken our entire lives. And there's so much information out there. There are so many people giving really helpful tips, you know, yeah. about boundaries, people writing about it, but it can still be so overwhelming and confusing. I love this class because it feels pretty curated. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we've we have kind of pulled together the things that we think are fundamental and foundational to be helpful. Um, Madison does such a great job with that. The workbook has some really cool exercises mm-hmm. to help them pra- make be practical. And then pulling it into the conversation around leadership and what those implications are. I just, I think the whole class is so, like, there's not a minute wasted. That's yeah. what I'll say. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I feel like it's for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just excited. I think that... I'm so aware right now in society of the divisiveness, Mm -hmm. of the political discord, of, um, you know, like we're right in the middle of this holiday season. Mm -hmm. And that usually brings the opportunity for us to get together with friends and family Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen in a long time. And a lot of times we like feel differently than they do about issues and things like that. And I think that this understanding of boundaries and the application of it really is like a bridge forward about mm-hmm. like how we do relationships well yeah. with people that are different from us, yes. which is everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it isn't about like, oh, you don't have to be, for, cut all these people out of your life. It's mm-hmm. about like, how do you like look ahead and sort of say like, hey, these are topics I don't want to talk about at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, this is what I need to have a healthy, happy holiday yeah. with my nuclear family, yeah. you know? And like the having the language and the tools and the resources to get ahead of it and be proactive and understand what we need and how to communicate that, that's actually bridge building, yeah. Yeah, you know? Right. It's that's not good. wall building. Yeah. And so I think that that makes me so excited about this course and the timing of it mm-hmm. is just that I think this is the way forward for us all. So we all yeah. need it. Mm, I love it. I love that it kind of gives you um, a perspective shift on boundaries as a bid for connection with mm-hmm. yourself and with the people around you rather than a punishment for yeah. bad behavior. Yeah. And I think that's maybe how I have viewed boundaries in the past. And so I'm excited about the intentionality and the reframe that it's going to give people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the analogy that just came to mind for me and when I'm like hopeful for people taking this class um, is that like boundaries can allow abundance instead of mm-hmm. scarcity. Yeah, I think good. we think that they keep our lives scarce and they really are an avenue to like greater connection, greater intimacy, all of that. And I think it was when I was in my onsite program, I can't remember if someone talked about it there or if it was in some resources, but they talked about kind of like us as a house 
What was this? Yeah. yeah, I think it was in my learning center program. But us as a house, and we have all these different rooms in the house. Mm-hmm. And how I'm going to invite someone over? I might invite my mom over, and she might come to the kitchen, yeah. but she's not going to go into my bedroom. Yeah. And I'm going to invite the cable guy, and he's going to go into the electrical box, but he's not going like into the upstairs or yeah. whatever. And how like none of those are bad things, but yeah. it helps people understand where they are, what they have access to, and you can actually have really robust relationships in the dining room. Yes, and they don't have to be in your garage or your attic going through all your stuff Mm. and so like how there's like richness and abundance in the separateness and Mm -hmm. how yeah that boundaries I'm hopeful that people taking this class that it's not just a protective thing but it's like an abundance thing that like we can have richer relationships at work at home with ourselves um, when we learn how to establish boundaries oh yes I think I want to end with our favorite quote from Prentice Hempel about boundaries are The distance at which I love you and me simultaneously. Yes. And I think that was a really great wrap-up. So thank you. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call one 800 341 7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.